If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right. Well, the VP pick is in. We can all rest easy, take a deep breath, and get back to issues that really matter and see what the Biden campaign can actually focus on here. What's the what's the next thing on the on the horizon that they can use as positive news? He's out of he's out of news. He's out of being the focal point in the media. So we'll be back to attacking Trump and probably hiding Joe Biden in the basement, unless he goes out with uh, Kamala Harris, who, of course, uh, they're making their first appearance, I think, today in Delaware. Welcome to the program. By the way, I am your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, or ever since we changed our email addresses to uh, what they are today, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash ToddHuffShow. For those of you that want to watch the program live or on demand, it's good to be here. As long as Facebook allows that to happen, it's good to be here. Thank you for joining us. So Vice President Joe Biden, really Biden's team, decided – they didn't decide yesterday. They announced uh, yesterday they were picking Kamala Harris – Senator from the People's Republic of California. So she is, um, you know, not from a swing state. She's from a big state, the biggest state, the state that has the most electoral votes. Um, but at the same time, she is, you know, California is not really in play. Boy, what if California was? But she is. Um, you know, she fits the criteria that we were told that we were told the vice president was going to have. And of course, the first question is, the first question is, uh, would she have been selected if a full field of candidates were evaluated and considered? But of course, the truth is that that is, it's as deep as they made it sound. Biden wanted a black woman on the ticket, which again, as I've said on here exhaustively, I've got no problem with that. I just have a problem with that being the reason and the rationale behind making a choice. This is patronizing. This is uh, superficial politics, identity politics. There is nothing substantive here. Of course, he's being praised by the likes of President Obama for nailing the pick. Oh, he nailed the pick. Because he didn't pick Stacey Abrams, I guess. Because he didn't uh, pick Karen Bass, two folks that were 
well, especially Karen Bass, communist sympathizer, Stacey Abrams, a socialist. Um, he didn't pick Susan Rice. Susan Rice, of course, uh, was the person involved with lying to the American people about Benghazi because back in 2012, during the campaign, Obama's reelection campaign, they were not going to admit that terrorism was still a thing because, after all, they were out there saying – in fact, Joe Biden took to, took to the debate stage just a, a little bit before, shortly before Benghazi. I think it's a couple of weeks before. I'd have to look at the actual timeline. He stood up there and he said, GM is alive and Osama died. And Osama dying, Osama bin Laden dying at the hands of, well, Barack Obama, really, right? I mean, they basically, the way they painted that picture back in 2012 was that Obama himself was the. the lead, the guy that, that stormed the room with SEAL Team 6 back in May of 2011, took out Osama bin Laden, and that was the moment that terrorism ended because they killed Osama bin Laden. They were out touting how they did that, really how Obama did that. The only other time in American history that an American was portrayed to have taken out terrorists was when uh, Obama was portrayed to have been on the uh, ship off the Somali coast that took out those three Somali pirates. That's the other time that Obama uh, was involved in shooting and taking out terrorists as well, ending terrorism. So that was the campaign back in 2012. So Susan Rice came out, couldn't admit. Uh, the, the administration basically chose her to take this stupid message out, saying that Benghazi was a spontaneous reaction or some such such nonsense to a video that no one had even seen or uh, heard or knew anything about. That was what caused Benghazi to transpire back in September of 2012. So she was on the, the – I mean, wh- wh- who were the choices here? Who were the choices? And would Kamala Harris have been chosen if she were not meeting the criteria, which again, simply – well, there I guess there were three – one is that you're a woman. The second is that you are black. The third would be, I guess, presumably, that you are Democrat or progressive or whatever. Progressives aren't real happy about this. They think that this – in fact, I've <laughs> I've seen some progressives already with some memes referring to uh, Kamala Harris and Joe Biden as uh, the right <laughs> right-wingers. So this is – I mean politics in America in 2020 is, is fantastic stuff. But I got, I got the email from Biden last night. Again, why I'm on the email list because my friends put me on these lists. Now, I, I wasn't in the group that got notified first. So you could get notified by text, but you had to donate – I think it was 7 bucks, 7 bucks to know uh, for certain who the pick was, maybe – I don't know an hour or so before the rest of the world knew, 45 minutes, some such thing. So I didn't donate the 7 bucks to Joe Biden. I actually I thought about it. I thought about it, but I, I did not, of course, do that. But anyway, it says this. you uh, Folks, you make a lot of important decisions as president, but the first one is who you select to be your vice president. This is that email I got from Joe Biden, actually from Joe Biden's staff. It continues here. I've decided that 
Kamala Harris is the best person to help me take this fight to Donald Trump and Mike Pence and then to lead this nation starting in January 2021. Now, the way that that's worded, it almost sounds like Kamala Harris might be the president in January of 2021. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, there's a lot of questions surrounding the Biden campaign and really what's going on there. But anyway, he continues. Um, they... These aren't normal times. For the first time in our history, we're facing three historic crises all at the same time. We're facing the worst pandemic in 100 years, the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression, the most powerful calls for racial justice in a generation, and we have a president who has both failed to lead on the virus, costing lives and decimating our economy, and fanned the flames of hate and division. So I need it. I need someone working alongside me who is smart, tough, and ready to lead. Kamala is that person. I need someone who understands the pain that so many people in our nation are suffering, whether they've lost their job, their business, a loved one to the virus. This president says he doesn't care. I doesn't want to be distracted by it. He doesn't understand that taking care of the people of this nation, all the people, isn't a distraction it's the job. You know, it's interesting when the left talks about taking care of the people of this nation, what they mean. I mean, they mean really like how you would take care of a child. They mean provide all the basic necessities, food, water, clothing, um, which is interesting because in order to provide that for someone, you have to take that the means by which to provide it from someone else because the government doesn't produce anything the government takes and i'm not saying there should be no taxation i'm not saying that at all but i am saying it should be limited and reasonable and we're well beyond that but he says here kamala understands that kamala understands i guess the nanny state from what i take from this anyway biden continues i need someone who understands that we are in a battle for the soul of this nation and that you know what i agree with that we are in a battle for the soul of this nation we're in a battle for, I mean, two diametrically opposed ideologies, worldviews. These aren't – at this point, we're not talking about political differences. We're not talking simply about one party's reasonable preference for one, I don't know, set of actions or policies and another's belief in another set of actions and policies. We're talking about two things that are diametrically opposed to one another. We're talking about whether or not we should be – free, have a limited government, have our liberties, personal freedoms, the ability to make choices, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to keep and have a have a firearm to protect oneself from anything from uh, someone trying to take your possessions or harm you or your family, destroy your property. I'm reminded of the two attorneys who are facing charges in St. Louis for protecting their property by walking out onto their uh, porch and front yard holding firearms who are now being uh, pursued in, in prosecution here. These are the sorts of things that are at stake. Another side that believes that you're entitled to whatever you want in this world and that someone else should have to pay for it. Another group, as we talked about yesterday, at the end of this program, hour number two, I believe, you have teachers. I think a teacher in Philadelphia, I believe it was Philadelphia, 
who's upset that he has to stream his classes online because now he cannot be as transparent with his students about basically fixing their racism, their transphobia, what other 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 phobias that they might have, fears, things that parents have taught them, evil things. Probably being Republican in that group, got to switch that. He didn't say that, but I'm sure that that's in his in his mind as well. You've got a group of people who believe that it's the job of teachers not to uh, teach, as they used to say, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Now they believe it's to socially engineer a generation to fix the things that they were taught that are incorrect by their parents. And of course, for the white kids who are inherently racist, uh, I say professors, but teachers, teachers, it's believed by the radical left, need to go in there and basically uh, deprogram them and then reprogram them, reprogram them, teach them about all the genders that really exist, even though many parents teach their children either directly or just maybe indirectly that there's only two genders, that antiquated notion. We all know now that there's 60-some genders and all this sort of stuff, but this is the job they believe of, of say, this is an example of what the left, of what the left believes. They're in the minutia. They're in the business of social engineering. There's not anything that they cannot fix or address or be in charge of. Kamala, I guess, understands that as Biden writes here. And Biden says, I need someone that understands we're in a battle for the soul of this nation. I'm telling you, the radical left, the radical left believes, I mean, the radical left who doesn't have a religion, their religion, I'm telling you, is, is government. And that might sound bizarre, peculiar, strange, nuts, but I am telling you, I've had the leftists tell me that that is correct. They believe this. So when they say battle for the soul of this nation, it's almost, you could almost say it's a battle, um, there's another phrase I want to use here that I just can't quite pinpoint exactly how to say it, but it's more, it's, it is the soul, it is the heart, it is the mind. In some respects, it's almost the worship of the nation. Biden continues here, and that if we're going to get through these crises, we need to come together and unite for a better America. Kamala gets that. If I'm president, Biden writes, and I hope I'm not. He didn't write that, but I wish that he would have. I'm committed to making things better, not just in the short term, but sustainably, structurally, and permanently. We won't have time to delay. I need a partner who can help deliver on those promises and quickly, Biden writes. I'm going to be busy my first 24 hours. I'm going to cure cancer. I'm going to end racial divisions. I'm going to probably stop the coronavirus. He is not writing this, but he might as well. These are the sorts of things. I mean, he's on record as saying he's going to cure cancer, Alzheimer's, and diabetes. So I don't know why we can't throw COVID in there. And I think I think that's probably a good first <laughs> first day if you're asking me. I mean, let's let's go ahead and just get that out there. I, I've wondered why, if he's got the cure for these things, why doesn't he share those with us now? Why doesn't he share that? And I'm sure someone out there, some leftist, probably someone like Joe Lockhart, someone like Van Jones will say, well, the reason is is because if he if he shares it now, Trump will get credit. Because this is how the left views 
government. If something happens anywhere in society, like cancer being cured, they say that's the president's, I guess, to the president's credit. It's like they don't even understand there's a private sector that's making all this possible. They're so absorbed in this idea of government. But this is the email Biden sent to me, not just to me. There's a little bit more I'll get to, but I want to play play President Trump's response to to Biden's pick as well. So there's some questions, some concerns, some conflict between Biden and Kamala Harris that we're just going to brush over in the media that uh, will not even be discussed. It might be mentioned in, in passing, and they will, of course, have gotten past it, buried the proverbial hatchet, and can now work together as one unified, unified party to help save America from Donald Trump. So anyway, the anticipation is over. The anticipation is over. The VP is named. And now um, <laughs> I don't know what the Biden team is looking for next as far as you know, the, being, being in the, fo- the, the spotlight again, being the focal point of politics, because now the strategy is to stay hidden, maybe put Kamala out there, go to some friendly venues like they will today in Delaware. Maybe Biden will take the train to D.C. like he used to do for 40 years. Just one of the just one of the boys taking a trip to D.C. where he was in the ruling class for half a century. Now he's picked Kamala Harris, who's qualified to be vice president because of her gender and her race. And I've got to take a break. Come back and talk more about this. You are listening to the Home of Conservative, Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. All right, welcome back. Just reading this email that Biden sent me last night announcing his presidential or excuse me vice presidential choice and i'm going to get to the trump reaction which i think is fantastic this is trump's area of expertise he's surprised he's surprised that biden would pick a lightweight like like kamala harris to be his running mate we'll talk about that but here's what he says biden after promising to make things better Right, make things better. He doesn't say it here, but in the past, what make things better means is curing cancer, diabetes, and Alzheimer's, um, ending the economic conditions that we're facing that have been brought on by coronavirus, which means he's going to end coronavirus. Probably, he probably has a cure for that as well. I don't know if these are all day one issues. I don't know if he'll extend some of these till day two. I'm thinking if he wins the election. November 3rd, I kind of think he should go ahead and do it then. Because why wait a couple more months when it's a foregone conclusion that you have been the choice, God forbid, to be president of the United States? Why why drag that out? I think you should go ahead November 4th. Now, if we have mail-in ballots, we might not know until December 4th. Um, but who knows? Let's Let's go ahead and as soon as you know that you've won, let's Let's declare um, all these things null and void. And if you can do it, um, I think you should also go ahead and outlaw death and all forms of suffering. I think that would be a good thing for a president to do as well. But in this email I got from the radical, 
He's he's look. I, it, it's crazy to me. The the Democrat, the, the radical left, is portraying Kamala Harris and and Biden as right wingers, and it's because of their well, it's because of their history that it just shows how far the Democrat Party has shifted. And that's one of the downsides of being in politics for half a century. Because when the politics shift, you're on record for half a century as being in an area, politically speaking. Right, you you used to be in a certain spot. If we could peg you on a graph, Joe Biden, put an X on the graph. This is where Joe Biden is ideologically. Forty four years ago, when you started in politics in D.C., and we shift you, and we move that the Democrat Party, and we move its range of acceptable positions to the left, and then we see where you were forty years ago. That looks like to the radical left that that's a right winger, simply by being in favor of. Look, and I'm not defending all the things that they did by any stretch of the imagination, but trying to, you know, um, do things that, again, not not suggesting that they were right, not not at all, but but trying to maintain law and order. Now we've we've got the left that wants, I mean, anarchy. I mean, they praise. We've seen the media praising rioters in Portland. Right, we've seen the mayor of Chicago make excuses for rioters. I mean, even she's gotten to the point now where she can't she can't accept it anymore. She's got to come out and speak out or take positions against this. So, anyway, Biden continues here in this email, or Biden's writer does. He says, "I was privileged to serve this nation for two terms as vice president alongside President Obama." In case you forgot, in case you forgot, Biden was the Biden part of the Biden Obama administration, as he likes to say, a man of extraordinary character talking about President Obama, who I believe will go down in history as one of our great presidents. So I know a thing or two about being vice president, and that might be it, a thing or two. I don't know, but he knows a thing or two. More than anything, this is fantastic. When I read this last night, I thought, you have got to be kidding me. (laughs) You've got to be kidding me. He says this. More than anything, I know it can't be a political decision. Yes, I see Oz is notifying me that we need to take a break here in a second. But So he's telling us the choice of Kamala Harris, whose qualifications, the only qualifications we knew existed for his selection of VP were as follows. Gender, female. Race, black. Party affiliation, probably Democrat. That's what we knew. That's the qualification. So he has the audacity. Now, most people that read these these emails that are subscribed to these lists don't have the same ideological perspective as me. They're not constitutional conservatives. They don't view these professional deceivers that are at the top of the Democrat Party. And there's, there's some, look, in Republican parties as well, in the Republican Party as well. I'm not defending that. I'm simply saying they just eat this stuff up. There's no filter. They don't look at this with some degree of of, of, of a critical, you know, just a degree of criticism of, of having a filter that tries to catch some of the nonsense. They just say, yeah, this isn't political. It has to be a governing decision, he writes here. Of course, if the people of this nation entrust me and Kamala with the office of president and vice president for the next four years, we're going to inherit a nation in crisis. Already setting the bar really low here a nation divided, and a world in disarray. Of course, all the fault 
of President Donald Trump. You know, it's peculiar to me when I think about this. We had an, a world, a world, we had a nation. Um, remember when we elected Obama back in 2008 and Chris uh, Chris Matthews had the tingle up his leg and all this sort of stuff. When that happened, it was supposed to have been the, the – you just have to go back. It's 12 years ago, but just go back and look. And and the things that were said, you know, this is the moment. Obama was, first of all, going to lower the sea levels. He he said that in his acceptance or his uh, victory speech. It was a Hyde Park in, DC, in, in Chicago. This is the moment that the sea levels are going to decrease, folks. I mean, we, we were talking about racial harmony would finally be in existence. I mean, that that wasn't that wasn't what happened. In fact, America became more divided than ever. And in fact, when you look at President Trump, President Trump, I've shared this before. The reason that there's all these tensions now is because they've used the same tactics. They being the media and the Democrats in office, being cohorts in crime, they use the same tactics as always which is to demonize, attack, malign, you know, whatever. I saw recently Media Research Council, I think they said in May, it was a 30-day period, it was the highest negative press that Trump has ever gotten in a, you know, in whatever the period. I think it's a month period of time that they measure these things. Ninety-nine. It was 99.5% negative coverage. I mean, they can't even get... The only way they can get more negative is not to make it more uh, of a percentage of negative, just by having more volume of negative. Percentage-wise, it was all negative, 0.5% that wasn't negative. And that 0.5% might have been announcing it was his birthday or some such thing. Not anything that was truly positive, just not negative. But this this whole this whole notion that things were hunky dory apple pie when Obama was president is silly. And this is the strategy. Trump but the problem is Trump doesn't fight back. The Democrats and the media, they'll attack a president, Republican president for being stupid, racist, homophobic, whatever. And at some point that president usually caves, capitulates and says I'm sorry or stops pushing something. Not Trump. He doubles and triples down. He calls them names in return, like Sleepy Joe or whatever it is today. Calls Kamala Harris nasty. She's nasty, man. Nasty. And it just continues because the left goes back to what they know, and Trump's not going to give in. So this is just going to continue to get ratcheted up. But the idea that we're in all this crisis because of President Trump, a world in disarray. The world has been in disarray. Take the United States of America off the world stage, and the world would be in much worse condition, utter chaos. I'm not saying it's not it's in great shape today, but the United States is, folks, I know it's not popular to say, but the United States is that shining city on a hill. It's a beacon of hope. It is. It's single-handedly done more to help the world, this nation, lifting people out of poverty, not just in this nation but elsewhere, raising the standard of living, freeing people around the world. But the idea that the disarray is is because of Trump is is silly. They're not going to have a minute to waste, he says in this email. Anyway, that's what led him to Kamala Harris, blah, blah, blah. It's not political, blah, blah, blah. Heck, it's not political. This is 100% political. It's 100% trying to connect with voters based upon identity politics. 
And if you don't vote for the Biden Kamala Harris ticket, you're a racist and a sexist. That's what that's what they want people to feel. They want them pe- people to feel tension. They want people to feel like if they don't do this, just like they did back in 2008, you're a racist if you don't cast this vote. It's silly. Let's talk about ideas. I don't care about these things. I do – I mean I do as much as it pertains to who the individual is, but as, as far as what it means politically – as though it substantively means something of of real value. I just – I reject that in and of itself. What matters are ideas, are adhering to the condition – or the, the, the principles, the framework of this nation. And i got to take a time out. More on Kamala Harris, Biden's VP pick, and, and Trump's response to this. i got to play that when we get back. So sit tight. Be back in just a minute. Welcome back. So Trump being Trump yesterday at his press conference, he's asked about Biden's VP pick of Kamala Harris. And this is what (laughs) he has to say. I enjoy this. Here it goes. Uh, She is uh, a person that's told many, many stories that weren't true. She's very big into raising taxes. She wants to slash funds for our military at a level that nobody can even believe. She uh, is against fracking. Fracking is, she's against petroleum products. I mean, how do you do that and go into Pennsylvania or Ohio or Oklahoma or the great state of Texas? She's against uh, fracking. Fracking's a big deal. Uh, she's in favor of socialized medicine, where you're going to lose your doctors, you're going to lose your plants. She wants to take uh, your health care plans away from 180 million Americans, 180 million Americans that are very happy with their health insurance, and she wants to take that away. So she was my number one pick. I mean, she was, as they would say, because hopefully you'll start college football, she was my number one draft pick. And we'll see how she works out. She did very, very poorly in the uh, primaries, as you know, she was expected to do well, and she was. She ended up at right around two percent, and spent a lot of money. She had a lot of things happening, and so I was a little surprised that he picked her. I've been watching her for a long time, and I was a little surprised. She was extraordinarily nasty to uh, Kavanaugh, Ju- Judge Kavanaugh, then now Justice Kavanaugh. She was nasty to a level that was just. Uh, a horrible thing, the way she was, the way she treated now Justice Kavanaugh. And I won't forget that soon. So she did very poorly in the primaries, and now she's chosen. So let's see how that all works out. Let's see how that all works out. A little surprise, nasty, nasty to Judge Kavanaugh. Didn't do well in debates. 2%. Loser. She was a loser up there. He didn't say that, but waiting for that to be said. Kamala Harris, nasty. She'd be my number one draft pick. Here we are on the college football season. I hope we get the college football season in. Good time to talk about draft picks. She'd be my number one draft pick, top pick, number one. A little surprised he took her because she'd be my number one draft pick. Normally you don't want to do something that's the number one choice of your opponent. Bad choice. She's a socialist. (laughs) 
So this is how Trump responds. I mean, he's he's whatever you think of Trump uh, and his uh, just he he knows how to he knows how to respond to this stuff. He knows and, and they they know it. You know, normally it's it's you know, well I I did see Sarah Palin. Uh, I don't know if she tweeted or something to to Kamala Harris uh, talking about making sure she's not changed by her handlers and that she builds upon the you know the the groundwork that has been laid by Sarah Palin and uh, Ferraro back in the the eighties when she ran as vice president. But anyway. There you go. There's Trump's response to <laughs> to Biden's selection of Kamala Harris as VP. So, wanted to share that with you because I think it's uh, you know get ready for more of this. We're just this is just the beginning stages here as we get into the final eighty or so days of this campaign. It's just now beginning to really heat up and take form. Democrats have their convention, I guess, next week, virtual convention simulated convention so this is the beginning kamala harris is the pick trump says that's great because she'd be my number one choice if i was picking a ticket trump didn't say this but you could piece together things he said from other comments if i was picking a ticket i would pick biden to run against and i would pick kamala harris to be his running mate that would be my choice my number one and number two draft picks i could see trump saying something like that in fact he might say that before the day is over but i gotta take a time out Listening here at the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. You know, America is a, I think, I think by and large a forgiving nation as it pertains to you know, I, I think America is prepared to forgive politicians or whoever for mistakes. And by and large, there's always exceptions. There's always exceptions. And if the media hammers it and makes it out to seem bigger than it actually is, then, of course, that's unforgivable. But by and large, I think under normal circumstances, barring some sort of a, I don't know, um, undue attack on the person who committed the offense, then normally Americans will forgive. And maybe the better way of saying it is Americans will forget. Because I think Americans do forget, especially in politics. There's, and it's not because we're stupid. We're busy. We're distracted. We've got our own lives to live. And politics, uh, you know, again, uh, three months in politics is, is an eternity. So we still have a political eternity before the election. But I want to go back. I want to go back to 2007 when it became clear that Obama – or was becoming clear Obama was going to be the Democrats' nominee for president of the United States. Biden was talking about Obama, and as I think about his choice here, uh, it, it's just interesting to me that Biden is able to get away with so much and look like he's – you know, just has this great relationship with the black community, even though he says the black community is not anywhere near as diverse as the Latino community. I mean, duh, that's basically what he wants us to think. Even though he says you ain't black if you don't vote for him, even though, and this is a different, 
race, so to speak, different ethnicity, but he says you can't go into a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. I'm serious, he says. But do you remember when he said this back in 2007 about Barack Obama? I mean, you got the first sort of mainstream African-American who was articulate and bright and... And, and clean, and a nice looking guy. I mean, it's, that's a storybook, man. That's a storybook. Articulate, clean, first mainstream African American presidential candidate. It's a storybook because he, he's articulate and clean and nice looking guy. You know, you, you hear these things and you look at all the emphasis and focus that's been put on his choice of Kamala Harris and demands. We talked about the demands yesterday from leaders, black males, black male leaders um, demanding that Biden pick a black female running mate because black females, black women are the future of politics, whatever on earth that's supposed to mean. What I mean, we got to get past this as a nation. This is just silly thinking, but it's even, it's, Iron it's 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 ridiculous on its face and it's patronizing and it's I mean there's immediate questions about are you was she really the best choice I mean forget about even what we think is conservatives or republicans or what have you what have you but this was it was it the best choice number 1 and we're not going to agree with that but was was it only politics he he says in his response in his email to those of us on his list that the reason he picked her was for governing. But then you listen to comments like this and you see the the, the flip. I mean the focus on these on these uh, on these matters and not on ideas. I mean that's what we know first and foremost. Again, all we know is that he wants someone that fits a certain race and gender. That's the qualification. And we see about we see how he talks about race and eth- uh, ethnicities throughout his 44 years in, in Congress. And I mean, it's it's just crazy what we allow people to, and I'm not saying he should be never forgiven for this stuff. It's not what I'm saying at all. I'm simply saying, how does someone get away with this without any real apology or change or anything to suddenly become the guy that's going to make sure that black Americans are part of our political system? It's crazy times that we live in. And I got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. Really quickly here, waning moments hour number one. A couple things. Number one, I think it's good that we're at a point in American history where we can nominate, where a party can nominate a person to be vice president or even president, even though the Democrats only want to nominate old white men or a Clinton. <clears throat> I still think it's a very good thing that we're at a place in 2020 where someone can get their party's nomination, especially given the history of this nation regarding regarding race, in particular how that has impacted black Americans. I think it's fantastic that we have a, a that we're at that point. However, it should not be the qualifying it should not be the qualification. The qualification should entail much more than that. And from all we can tell, all we can tell is this was the the, the black woman that Biden thought gave him the best chance. So Anyway, more on this in hour number two on YouTube, SDG. See you in a minute.